Hi, I'm Angela. I'm the co-founder of the London App Brewery, and I'm listening to the App Guy podcast. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. So this is the App Guy podcast. It's episode 486. I've got a really interesting uh, app founder that's uh, coming up. He's a guy that has never had a job. Get that, never worked for a boss. He's always been working on his own, either as a freelancer and creating his own things. He's trying to give back now. He's uh, created a resource to help uh, app builders build apps. And we talk about uh, freedom. We talk about creating your own world, all the networking through tech meetups and some uh, really good growth hacks with Cora. Uh, so lots to learn. Um, two big problems as well that we talk about uh, in this episode, uh, which is learning to code and how to solve the problem with actually a low-tech solution. Really interesting stuff. Uh, do stay tuned for my chat with uh, Rinder DeVries. Uh, but before uh, I go into the episode, the interview, let me first of all thank the two sponsors that make this possible. First is TopTal. Go to toptal.com forward slash pool, toptal.com forward slash pool. All you do is you tell TopTal what kind of tech freelancers you're looking for. They find you the perfect match. You can work with these people at no risk to you and they become part of your team and use any technology that you may desire. It's zero risk, superior work, toptal.com forward slash pool. Thank you, TopTal, for supporting this episode. And go to brandbucket.com forward slash app guy brandbucket.com forward slash app guy, all lowercase. And these guys can give you a $75 free Invato gift card. Invato uh, got their name through Brand Bucket and you get uh, loads of business names. You can search uh, for all different types of businesses. Just go and type in your name. That's always an interesting one. And you can see what uh, types of businesses are already uh, there waiting for you as a brand with the logo. So brandbucket.com forward slash app guy. Thanks to Brand Bucket for supporting the show. So let's get into the episode then with Ryan de DeVries. Welcome to another episode of the App Guide podcast. I am your host. It's Paul Kemp. So uh, I love this show. I'm back to the studio where we're interviewing some great founders, uh, great CEOs, great entrepreneurs uh, to learn about the uh, whole business of app uh, entrepreneurship. That includes uh, making apps. And so today, uh, I have got a fantastic guest for you because uh, we are going to learn about his journey with um, learnappmaking.com, uh, which is very relevant to us. Uh, his name is uh, Rinder de Vries, and he is the founder of learnappmaking.com. So w- welcome, Rinder, to the uh, App Guy podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Uh, thanks for coming on. So, uh, well, uh, t- tell us how it started then with learnappmaking.com. How did you kick this thing off? Well, I've been an app freelancer for almost, I think, more than seven years now. Uh, built a ton of apps for myself and for my clients, and I wanted to do something else and give something back to the community. So I started blogging about apps um, and then started building uh, courses to teach other people how to code and market their apps. That, that, in a nutshell, that sounds absolutely fantastic. And, uh, and you, in terms of your own app building then, have you had any big br- breakaway successes that have uh, are worthy of mentioning? Um, well, I started pretty early. So I think five years ago, six years ago, I made um, a pretty popular dating app, like long before Tinder. 
in the Netherlands, and we uh, because I'm I'm originally from the Netherlands, so um, and we managed to sell that to a couple of festivals, and it really took off from there. Um, but this was in the in the early days of the app store, so apps weren't really like mainstream back then. You would have them on your phone, you would you would play with them, but they weren't really taken very seriously. Um, but for me, this this kind of this minor success along the way was a um, a great motivation to get started and to to focus fully full time on uh, building apps. Yeah, this this is a really interesting chat already because uh, you know why? Uh, often uh, people stumble into this industry, they read the big success stories, and think it's easy. Uh, now it may have been easy when you and I started, and I mean, my first app uh, almost got a million downloads, and um, it was. Uh, it was seemed like a, it was just so much easier back then. And, and what happens nowadays is you get very excited, you launch an app, and then you get a, a few hundred downloads, and, and kind of then throw money at marketing. Has it become harder to make money as an app entrepreneur? Yes and no. And and it's cool that you mentioned this because uh, what I've been trying to tell people through the blog and through the videos I make, and like I'm I'm uh, very active on Quora, uh, helping people, talking to people, and what I've been trying to tell them is that they shouldn't focus on those first million downloads, not even the first thousand downloads, but focus on the first download, like the very first download their app is going to get. Um, they should know that person. They should know how this person uses their app um, and how their app makes their lives better. And then they will, then they can go to like 10 downloads or 100 downloads. But that's, that's like incredibly unsexy to tell people. Um, but I think because th there's how many are there in the apps are like over, over two, two million. Two, two million, yeah. Yeah. It's so it's it's getting uh, kind of full. Um, so it's definitely becoming harder to market apps. And also, um, I think a lot of a lot of app makers, beginner app makers, when they talk about marketing their app, they talk about uh, app store optimization specifically and only app store optimization when there are a ton of different marketing methods like ordinary marketing methods online businesses use or even brick and mortar stores use um, that are equally, equally viable. And I think app makers these days are and should be moving over to that kind of marketing because um, the app store is just like super crowded. There's only space for the for 100 apps in the top list, and then maybe there's space for you in search, and maybe there's space for for you with uh, search ads. But that's that's about it. Like it's not the only. Maybe it's it's kind of turning into distribution channel instead of a, a marketing platform. But it's yeah, it's definitely getting harder. I think. Uh, this this comes back on a, quite a lot of chats I've had recently. That's why I've just been fascinated about getting you on the show. The first thing uh, we, I've been chatting to a lot of app founders about is just how hard it is to get the attention of tech journalists, get the, I mean, they ignore 99% of app pitches to them through email and various other ways. And so getting the attention of any kind of press for marketing is really hard uh, yeah and so would you agree that it, it, it almost like it is better to focus on what seth godin then talks about which is the first 10 the first 100 um almost customers users that can really 
have a change in in their behavior as a result of your app. Yes, it's like the the hundred true friends uh, fans from uh, Kevin Kelly. I think that's the sort of the artisan's way to making money uh, from only a few people, like well, a, a thousand people. Um, I think that's the starting point, and it it sort of protects. I think too because. Um, now that you mentioned Seth Godin, he also says that sort of going for the safe road is also the most dangerous. And I think if you're if you're sort of priming yourself as an app maker to go for those millions of downloads and, and like overnight immediate success in the app store, I think you'll only find failure and being burned out on your ideas where if you if you sort of build your app up from the foundations, like like uh, going into the dirt and, and sort of wrestling with your customers, uh, doing the work, I think that will build a much um, better foundation for for the work later. You can you can always get to those millions of downloads, but there's like there's no trick anymore. Even like maybe there were tricks before in the app store, like the sort of the the gray and the black hat SAO. Um, uh, ASO, I mean, but those those don't exist anymore. So yeah, I would say build it from the foundation up. Well, let's inspire some people then to start building apps, perhaps newbies that uh, have never coded, and assume that people have uh, limited uh, knowledge on building apps. What what um, do you s- suggest in terms of anyone new who wants to start building building an app and getting into the uh, app business? Um. I would suggest two things. I would suggest uh, learn how to code with Swift or Java and Android. Um, get your hands dirty because it will not only learn how to code so you can build your own apps, but it will also teach you a lot of valuable things about how apps work and how they should work and maybe a little bit about design. So I'd, I would suggest start as early as possible and don't, don't spend like six months ideating your app, um, but instead... Um, start with like like the absolute basics so you 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 take action immediately and the the other part um i always like i always say i have two things and then i start talking about the one thing and then i forget <laughs> the other thing <laughs> right okay okay i remember so uh don't so don't rely on high-tech magic i call it magic so Let's say you're building an app, and it's it's not a game, and it's not a gimmicky app. It's like an actual game that solves a problem. Don't expect that this app will solve the problem for you, but instead solve the problem with a low-tech solution, like with pen and paper, or doing it like like let's talk about um, a movie recommendation app. So you have a movie that has an algorithm to figure out uh, what kind of movies you like based on your behavior inside the app or based on other behavior, like the typical artificial intelligence machine learning thing that fit like um, uh, the uh, readers also bought and you might also like this book on Amazon, that kind of thing. That requires a lot of development, requires a lot of technology, but instead what you could do if you have a friend that um, doesn't know what movie to watch tonight or next Friday night, you could tell your friend, why don't you call me next Friday night and tell me, um, ask me for a movie recommendation. And then come Friday night, you will, your friend calls you and he says, well, I like action movies. So you type in action movies in Google online while being on the phone with him. And um, you start Googling around. And you say, well, did you see Die Hard 1? And he said, yes. Did you like it? Yes. 
okay, well, maybe you like Die Hard 2 too, or maybe you like this other action movie. And um, so your friend is happy because he got a recommendation for a movie he didn't see but probably would like. And then you tell them, well, if you like my service, um, I can call you next Friday night and I can give you a recommendation for, I don't know, five bucks a month. What do you say? And this, this gets to the core, I think, of solving a problem without building an actual app because you can do this with an app. You can do this in a lot of ways, but the app only automates solving the problem, whereas you actually have to solve the problem first, maybe by yourself to get a feel for what the problem is, um, before building the actual app. I love this um, theme of yours as well, because then, you know, if you extrapolate what you're talking about, which is uh, maybe that isn't the problem. Maybe the problem is that you don't have a community around you of uh, film lovers and you just want to call on Friday afternoons uh, to chat about films. Uh, you know, so you, the, the path of um, going down the low tech solution. I love that, Grinder. It's, it's just um, <laughs> absolutely um, genius. And it reminds me of a chat I had with a guy called Mark Asquith, who uh, has high tech solutions, but had a low tech solution for a problem which involved uh, text messaging. And, uh, you know, I remember his advice was don't automatically assume that technology will solve the problem, solve it in other ways, which is what you're reinforcing. Yeah, yeah. And you can always solve it later. Um, once you've figured out like the, the actual properties of the, the whole problem uh, with an app, that's that's totally fine, because we're, we're talking about building apps here, right? But don't don't start with uh, building that algorithm and that machine because you don't even know whether people will like it. You don't even know how it's going to work. And then you're going to spend maybe six months or a year to build something that either nobody wants or ultimately doesn't work or doesn't solve the problem. So, so Rinder, let's change gears a little bit because uh, this is a show that talks uh, about the lifestyle of being an app entrepreneur. And uh, you're working, um, I guess, for yourself, uh, right? You're, you are, yeah. So we are talking to people that are working within corporate companies. And I wonder from your perspective, uh, what, what, uh, uh, what's it been like, I guess, over the last uh, several years of you working for yourself as an app entrepreneur? Would you recommend it? Yes, yes. Well, honestly, I have never had a job. I, I started doing this when I was studying. Um, I'm 27 now, and I started, I think, when I was 17, 18, building, well, apps weren't around back then, but I was building websites, you know. So um, I can't really say anything about corporate culture, except for my experience as a, as a freelancer, because I do freelance gigs for companies too. But, um, okay, here's an example. So I'm Dutch, so I used to live in the Netherlands, but we, uh, my girlfriend and I have been spending a lot of time in Norway uh, lately because she uh, does a, a PhD here. So she has a research position here at the university. Then that could only have been possible if I would have worked for myself. Otherwise, it would have had to, like, we, we moved here two years ago. So um, if I had a job back then, I could not have moved with her. Uh, or otherwise I would have had to quit my job and find a new one here. Uh, but but being that I'm an app maker, I could just sort of take my office with me um, and move here and do the same kind of work. I love this. I really do. Because I, I try to, on this show, uh, give a sense of what the future is like. And 
what, what I'm learning from you immediately is like the freedom that you get uh, in doing this, uh, which you may not be able to get if you work for the Googles, Facebooks, or you know the big tech companies, and uh, and and also. I mean, there is going, you know, we are moving down the a road of people will decide where they want to work from, when they want to work, how many hours a week they may want to work. You know, it's really empowering uh, us, I guess, to decide what we want to do with our lives uh, rather than going in and doing the, you know, what, what a company tells us to do. Yeah, absolutely true. I wouldn't say it's a, um, like it's a good idea for everyone, but, um, and there's nothing wrong with having a job, absolutely not. I know that these, um, these kinds of people like me, uh, they call them digital, digital nomads or online entrepreneurs, they sort of despise jobs, but I don't do that. Um, because I think uh, the only mistake you can, you can sort of make is to do something or live in a world that's given to you um, instead of creating your own world. And that's as easy as asking yourself, like, is this what I want to do? Um, or do I want to do something else? And then uh, I have a lot of respect for the people that take the courage to uh, choose a different path um, in their lives instead of sort of uh, living the scripts that are given to them. So, so Rinder, you have spent then, let's get this right, uh, before the App Store was born, you, you've never worked for a company, you've never had a regular salary. What advice, because you, you're obviously, uh, it's an, a remarkable achievement, uh, the, the fact that you, you've been able to sustain this. So we want to learn from you. What, what should we do to try to, uh, you know, get the same level of success and sustain ourselves for so long uh, as uh, an app entrepreneur? Uh, that's a really hard question. That there's there's so much I, I cannot possibly compress that into into one piece of advice. Um, well, give us as much as you've got. I mean, I'm guessing uh, like there's got to be um, uh, what sort of being very strict on your budget, um, what, what expenditure you have outgoing, and, and not taking on lots of debt, that kind of stuff. Well, I would always say that you got to you got to start with um, finding out what you want, and then doing everything you can to to achieve that. If it's if it's worth it for you, if if you're doing something for the wrong reasons or or with the wrong motivation, it's very hard to get there. Um, other than that, looking back, I, you know, sometimes I was worried um, whether I would have enough money to support myself or my, my family or um, whether a project that I was doing was going to be okay or was going to take off or be successful in a way. But ultimately, it, it sort of turned out okay. So I had, I think, a balance between worrying and, and sort of projecting into the future what I thought what was going to happen and then keeping in mind other possibilities, like keeping an open mind. And then if I would see an opportunity, I would, I would um, take that opportunity. Um, but at the same time, not, don't be too afraid to, to make the jump. Like don't, <laughs> don't do, um, like if you're, if you're in debt and, and um, if you're gonna quit your job to uh, pursue a startup idea that is not really good, but you're you're sort of you do, you just don't know it yet. Um, that would be a bad idea. But there's there's also something like um, taking a calculated risk and maybe saving up uh, for a runway and then having uh, a plan for when your your runway ends. Um, yeah, that, then that's that's a much better idea. 
So I hope you're enjoying this episode with Rinder de Vries. Let me just take this moment to thank my sponsor, TopTal. Uh, TopTal.com forward slash pool. Uh, TopTal.com forward slash pool is where you need to go to get a no risk trial with these guys. Uh, what they do is they help you understand what types of talent you need by having a really good chat with you, what types of freelancers you need. They find the perfect match. Uh, this is all done fairly quickly, fairly seamlessly. Uh, you then work with these people that they find for you, whether they're Android developers, iOS developers, uh, they Ruby on Rails, uh, all types of uh, other skill sets uh, within the community. Uh, work with uh, the people that they marry you up with. Uh, they become almost like part of your team. They're there to work with you, help you, and they use any technology that you tend to use in-house, whether it's Basecamp, Slack, whatever you use to communicate as a team, they will come in and be part of that team. Uh, almost like uh, you've taken on uh, them as a full-time employee, but you can take them on as full-time, part-time, or uh, on an hourly basis, and uh, you can just have this painless communication. It's all really seamless, uh, zero risk, and you get this superior work because TopTal really do differentiate themselves by having uh, a cutoff point. Uh, they, they have such a high standard uh, that only 3% of uh, developers or less that tend to make it through to their uh, final uh, network. And uh, I do know this in practice. Uh, I've often uh, talked about them. I've uh, been putting them out on occasional newsletters and I've seen lots of uh, developers sign up and uh, see that uh, they do actually uh, re restrict and, re and uh, reject 97% uh, of them. And I've seen this in practice. So really high quality, uh, toptile.com forward slash pool, toptile.com forward slash pool, all of a case, and you will get access to this exclusive uh, network of top developers and designers uh, to help your startup, to help your business, uh, and uh, really is a, a great network. Thank you very much to TopTal for supporting this show. Also, I want to thank Brand Bucket. Uh, it's brandbucket.com forward slash app guy. Uh, you can get a $75 gift card with these guys. And what they do is they give you a ready established brand. And so when I was setting up the app guy, uh, I had to uh, create uh, the logo. I had to do all the design. I had to uh, take a risk on the name. And, uh, you know, it's really fun to go to um, brandbucket.com app guy and you get a really cool search bar and it's really fun to actually search in there for stuff so i've just typed in uh, wireless uh, just to have a, a bit of fun and uh, if i had a company that was uh, re relating to wireless uh, i can see uh, some really interesting names so uh, like for example uh, sonic signal is there uh, to suddenly get a nice brand they've got a nice logo um, you've got uh, sky jinx sky jinx interesting name uh, telemash that's a really great name because um, uh, that is uh, two syllables, which is always good for a brand name. Uh, cloud Peers. Uh, actually, if I type in cloud, that's good. Cloud. And I can see that cloud comes up with Cloudus, Cloud Tower, Clouds. These are all names that you just simply go click and buy and you get the ready-made brand, domain name, the whole package. So everything's taken care of. So you don't need to pay 
for the design or wait a long time. So that's uh, brandbucket.com forward slash app guy. And thank you very much to Brandbucket for supporting this episode. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we are supported on this show by a wonderful company called TopTal, which um, do support uh, freelancers. And uh, you mentioned working as a freelancer. Any tips from that perspective on getting really good gigs, making sure you get paid, you know, making sure you like the projects you're working on? Any advice for, as, as years as a freelancer? Absolutely. Um, what I would do, and that this is sort of the only way I would get a project for, for clients, I would go to uh, tech meetups in my area through, uh, for instance, meetup.com. I would start, because those meetups are frequented by developers, but also by people who want to hire or work with developers, people who are interested in technology. And I would just um, talk with them, um, give out some business cards, and follow up with them later, figuring out a way whether I could help them. And sometimes they would have a project for me already. Sometimes I needed to like, dig a little deeper into the company and start talking to, to other people to sort of get a job um, get the project to me. So that's, that's one way to find um, clients. Then the other is, uh, especially these days, like this wasn't so popular before, but I think a lot of, well, a lot of companies are starting to build uh, service apps for their own clients or inside their own industry. So if you can figure out the companies that are doing that and then building that for them, so they, they are not really, so these are not apps they, they will launch and market inside the App Store. They're more like uh, technologies their clients want to use. For instance, a hotel app might have a concierge app or a shop might have a, a, a register, cash register app. Um, and these are apps you can either build as a service, so you build one app. Um, for instance, an app to, uh, for tourists to walk around in a city and, and see the sites and they can download that app on their phone and then they have it with them when they go on holiday and then they use that app. You can sell that app, the same apps, uh, the same app um, tens of times over to uh, tourist agencies, to city municipalities, to um, uh, sort of other things that have to do with, with holidays, um, maybe uh, with like at the travel agencies. Um, so if you build one app once and then sell it to multiple people and, and keep those as your clients, you can make money as a, well, as a semi-freelancer, basically. Uh, this is a genius idea, and you've only made me realize it, which is, uh, I've got a good friend who's uh, just left uh, to start and pursue his own uh, career, in fact, as, a, as an indie app entrepreneur. And that's exactly how he got his first client. He Someone noticed an app and wanted the same app and wanted to employ him. So any, anyone who's you know thinking how hard it is to get clients, build a, a demo app almost and uh, use that as your portfolio. Yeah, yeah, cool. absolutely. That is great. Well, um, this is a wonderful chat. And uh, I mean, if we, I guess finally then, before we say goodbye to you, uh, is there, is it really tough to, um, um, you know, start off as and learn coding? Do you need it in your, um, you know, your DNA? Do you need to have gone to university, learn coding? Can anyone learn coding? I think anyone can learn coding. Um, but I wouldn't say it's easy. It's, it's easy to get started, but to get really good at it, I think you need a lot of experience and to get that experience, you need time. So it would be, um, 
kind of a lie for me to say that, yeah, coding is easy. Why, why don't you start coding? I think it's hard. Um, but I also think that learning how to play the piano or learning how to cook or learning how to snowboard, those are also hard things. And, but with programming, we sort of have this reluctance to do it just with, uh, just as with uh, math in high school or chemistry or, or science. There's this sort of this black box that we're kind of afraid of maybe and that makes us not try, whereas a lot of people try to snowboard and learn themselves cooking and, and do other stuff, but um, because coding is such a, maybe a, a little bit of a hard science, uh, we think that it is actually really hard, but it's not. Um, so it takes effort to learn and it takes time to gain experience, but it's not, uh, I, I think it's very possible. I can't help but uh, talk about Cora as well because you did say that you uh, are very prominent on Cora. Yes. I've been, I've actually been using uh, various strategies, uh, posting on uh, Reddit, getting trend trending on Reddit, and uh, um, posting into other social media networks. And I'm guessing getting um, into comments and getting your app mentioned about and talked about in Cora could actually be potentially. Uh, useful um, as a way of attracting attention to whatever you're working on. Is, is that right? Yes, yes, absolutely. There's a, uh, a, a tiny catch though. Um, like you mentioned Reddit, Reddit has a kind of a culture, right? It's, it's, it's hard to put in words, but Reddit has a culture. Quora has that same culture. So it's not appropriate to start a question and ask, but like you've just built your app and then you say, what do you think about this app? Maybe you want to download it. <laughs> okay, yeah. Teach us then. <laughs> Teach us how to do it on Quora. Well, um, the other way I think is more interesting, interesting is to see the conversations people are having on Quora and then maybe sort of wiggle your app in there. Um, for instance, that's just, just like maybe you mentioned on, on Reddit. Um, I've been uh, sort of marketing learn app making on Quora by making myself known and uh, wherever possible, if it if it's appropriate to post the link in a question, like I would answer the question, but I was I would also say like if you want to know more about this topic, then I've written an article about it here, and I think you can do the same thing with an app. Um, if uh, let's uh, re okay recipe apps, uh, somebody wants to know the recipe for spaghetti uh, with red sauce, and so you give the recipe, but you also say hey, I've got this app that has great recipes in them for free and you can download it here. So if you want more of these recipes, because I, I made this recipe and it's from my app, if you want more of these, you can download the app here. Um, that is one thing you could do. And, and um, <laughs> I, I, I like Cora a lot. So the other thing you could do is to see what kind of conversation uh, people are having, what kind of problems they are having inside that conversation, then figure out how you can solve that with an app. So then you don't use Core as a marketing channel, but you use it as a research channel. So, and, and you can even figure out problems are, uh, people are having with a competitor of your app or a competitor of your business, and then figure out a way to improve upon that in your own app so you can sort of steal those, steal those customers away. G wonderful uh, this has been an absolutely fascinating uh, uh, talk so so how do people get in touch with you how do they reach out and connect with you Rinder well I'm I'm uh, very easily approachable via email so if you go to learn at you can find my email on there um, it's my first name 
at learnappmaking.com, but it, um, uh, it's kind of a hard name. It's not, not really international. Um, and uh, on Twitter, I think, maybe we can put that in the, in the show notes. Yes, yeah, people then, it's very easy. Go to uh, theappguy.co, search out episode 486, and you'll get to uh, uh, Rinder, who talks, um, and then we'll have a link to your LinkedIn, Twitter, and uh, and learnappmaking.com. Sweet. Um, fantastic. Well, this, this has just reminded me why I do this show, meeting people like yourself. <laughs> Fascinating journey. Cool. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank and you. All the best. Um, uh, maybe um, we need to change your uh, website soon to learn bot making. What do you think? But no, 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 no. I, I don't believe it. And I was told, I was told a few uh, episodes ago that apps are dead, bots are the new thing. So we'll have to see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. All right, bye for now. Yeah, bye bye. So just two more things then before I say goodbye to you. One is that I've had a massive success. I've been helping my friends from Mondely uh, relaunch their updated uh, Mondely app. And we did a various number of growth hacks. Uh, Product Hunt was extremely successful and uh, they got into uh, the best new, was it hot new category of this week by Apple, which uh, led them to a lot of uh, new downloads uh, in addition to their millions and millions of downloads they already have. And uh, we did some growth hack strategies as well, which uh, really worked out. Uh, Reddit was, for example, uh, I've, I've been doing a lot of Reddit growth hacks and uh, some other kind of marketing. Uh, Hacker Hack News was pretty cool. Uh, so if you want access to some of these strategies, if you want to discuss uh, how I can help you, then please do get in touch with me. It's paul at theappguy.co uh, or you can go to theappguy.co listen to some past episodes where we actually do go through some of the launches. And so if you are currently looking for a product app launch or an, an updated app that needs a big boost, then do get in touch with me because I am doing some really cool stuff, getting apps, lots of exposure and discovery. And the final thing is I have had a new review and it's awesome. It's from Jeremy Reeves in the USA. And he says, Paul is an extremely smart guy, consistently breaking the rules and taking things to a new level. The podcast is no different if you're an app guy. It is a definite listen well thank you very much jeremy if you have not yet left me a review go on do something pay it back like many of the guests do go to your favorite podcasting app hopefully uh probably the apple one and go and leave a five-star review and write some comments it does actually make a big difference to who finds this show and in fact i read it as well so a great way of showing your support that's uh leaving a review thanks very much anyway for listening to the show your attention and time going through this means a lot to me it really does thank you so much and i look forward to getting another episode to you shortly bye for now